0: This is Dental All-Stars, where we bring you the best in dentistry on marketing, management, and training. Welcome to Dental All-Stars. I'm Eric Vickery, Lead Mastery Coach at All-Star Dental Academy and President of Vickery Coaching. And I'm very excited to interview our guests today. We're going to be talking about sustaining practice growth with Dr. Cody Calderwood, And Dr. Calderwood received his bachelor's degree from Brigham Young University and his DDS degree from the University of Maryland School of Dentistry. He's a solo practicing general dentist in Park City, Utah. That's a beautiful area of the country. He's a fellow in the Academy of General Dentistry, a fellow in the International Congress of Oral Implantologists, a member of the Pierre Fouchard Academy, and is a former president of the Utah Dental Association. He remains active in organized dentistry and currently serves on the state dental convention scientific committee. In his spare time, he loves to enjoy the amazing outdoor recreation in the park city area with his family. They love to snow ski, hike, mountain bike, boat, and wake surf, go off-roading. And with four teenagers in the house, they're very busy running their kids around to their different activities like lacrosse and tennis. And so welcome Dr. Calderwood. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I'm very excited to talk about sustaining practice growth with you. So welcome. Thank you. Well, you guys, that's quite a mouthful on the skiing. And and I always see the the Facebook uh, pictures of you guys always out doing stuff on the weekends. You make every minute count. That's for sure.
1: I I like to play. Uh, I love dentistry, but um, for me, dentistry is a means to an end so I can get out and play with the family. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, and I said something there, you make every minute count. And when I when I look at your numbers or look at your practice, you make every minute count in your practice too, don't you?
1: I do. And uh, I mean, you and I have had long conversations about this in the past, but I just have a smaller uh, facility in terms of square footage. Yeah. And there's not a lot of opportunity to grow in terms of bringing in associates and growing that way. So it's just getting the systems efficient and running lean yeah. and mean and smooth. Yeah. Yeah, and and to give people some some background
0: on why we're talking to you about practice growth because the last we worked together for 2 to 3 years I suppose, somewhere in that range. But I was looking back at your numbers from 2019 to last year 2021, I mean, your production increased almost what 300,000? Yeah. That sound right? Yeah. To 1.3 million. Wow. That's great. So already basically a million dollar practice in production. And then did that. Now collections went from just under a million, 900,000. And we got to 1.2 last year. So you know something about growth, you know, something works. So what we want everybody listening to is, okay, how did you get that? I mean, that's like 30% growth. How did you get that in the last two years? What, what created the success? So my first
1: official question for you is, how have you created a successful practice? Um, lots of little things. Uh, when I first bought this practice back in 2009, for the first couple of years, I kept thinking that there would be a silver bullet. There was one thing that I could do to get it successful. And over the years, I just started to realize that it's it's not one big thing. It's doing a lot of little things well. So Yeah, it's kind of hard to pinpoint one specific thing, but it's lots of little things that we've done well, like marketing, um, improving customer service, the phone skills, adding procedures to our office. Mm. um, The list goes on.
0: What is the one procedure you added that you're like, oh, that was a practice change or that thing really
1: separated me from where I was before? Implants and bone grafting. I think that was the big one that gave us quite the the bump in production. Yeah.
0: Yes, absolutely. The big four, I
1: I shouldn't say four. I'll just say a few of them here. So
0: implants, just like you're talking about huge Invisalign or ClearCorrect or some sort of ortho in the practice has been amazing. Obviously sedation, uh, sleep, high fear, full mouth type dentistry, and then uh, some holistic dentistry that also plays a huge role. So I think you hit, hit it right on the head. What year did you start doing implants
1: and bone grafting? Um, I very, very first started it. It was probably back in 2015 or 16. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. I'll have to go back and check. Okay. Yeah. And at first I was still pretty um, hesitant with it, not afraid, but just trying to get more experience, get my skill level up. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, I, I used to do maybe one every other month and now i think we average about two to three a month is what we do okay. so not a lot but it's yeah. it's a significant increase like you said it's a lot of little things
0: that make a big difference so you mentioned customer service and right now working with clients and hearing what's going on out there i hear a lot of i can't find the team member i, I can't find the person to fill that void that i have in my spot or maternity leave or they retired or just wasn't a good fit for whatever reason and and now it's a struggle to find that next team member. So what have you done not only to get team members on board, but then how have you um, used customer service to grow your practice?
1: So I'm, I've been pretty fortunate to have a a fairly stable um, staff that Mm -hmm. the employees that we have here, our team has been pretty consistent. I mean, once every two years or so we'll replace someone, someone moves out of state or Mm -hmm. they decide to be a stay at home mom, whatever the, Happen so for the most part, our core team has been intact, mm-hmm. and when it comes time to hire, we're picky. We actually hire off of personality more than experience, mm-hmm. just because I don't want to diminish what a receptionist or mm-hmm. an assistant or anybody does for their job, but we can train up what they do if they have the right attitude. Yes. So yes. we hire first and foremost off of personality, attitude, work ethic, and that has work real well for us. And then once they come on board, honestly, the all-star training has been awesome to get everybody on board. And um, we started it. You might be able to verify this better than me. I want to say it might've been two or three years, probably three years ago when you and I started, right? Yeah. I'm thinking early 2019. Okay. Um, We started it in early 2019 and it was real fun for me to see my employees the the light bulb gone as they would catch the vision of it. And the biggest indicator of it for them was as they called other dental offices to uh, exchange information, request patient records, whatever it was, when they interacted with them, it became quite obvious what a successful phone call is (laughs) compared to not successful. So that's really given them a huge boost of confidence, seeing their growth and then recognizing um, just how much smoother our phone calls go, how much kinder we are and how much more. Helpful we are. Yeah.
0: You you know me. I'm a stickler on how I count new patients, and we we often look at well, how good are we at getting new patients referred? You know to the practice that speaks volumes to it. And it's not that hard to be great when everybody else is so bad, is what I'll, I'll say it for you. <laughs> uh, but your focus on customer service can set you apart so that the referrals come in. And what I mean by being a stickler on new patients, means I don't count emergencies, I don't count kids, I just count adult comprehensive exams. And looking at your numbers, you guys guys kill it. (laughs) You guys do a really, really, really good job with new patients. So you guys averaged 43 new patients a month last year. Out of those 43 new patients a month, you averaged 24 of them were referred.
1: What's your secret sauce, man? Everybody wants to know. Um, get in with the moms. <laughs> we, we have um, some incredibly loyal patients that are part of the different uh, Facebook groups, the Nextdoor app, all those social media avenues that when someone moves into town here in Park City, Tri- Park City, as a side note, it's a fairly, has a fairly transitory population being a resort town. A lot of the employees that'll come here, they'll be here three to five years um, and then move with their job. So people move to town, they don't know. They jump on those apps, those social media sites and they ask around who to go to. And it's it's fun for us to hear from our patients how there's an overwhelming response of them recommending our office. So from a marketing standpoint, we actually don't do a whole lot. We don't We don't actively ask for referrals Um, which yeah, we could be better at that, but it's like you said, we've got a lot of new patients coming in. So why? yeah, we, we, we've been able to be a little bit complacent on asking for referrals just because our patients are so in love with the experience they have here and they send all their friends and family. And then of, of those that you mentioned, the non-referred ones, the bulk of them can in a roundabout way be referred, um, because of Google. Mm-hmm. They just do a Google search and then they see our tremendous reviews and then check out our website. And um, that's what drives a lot of them to our office too.
0: Yeah, we tracked it by uh, marketing source here. So your second highest is Google um, internet, basically uh, 180 patients last year from that. So excellent job. And third tied, uh, insurance plans or Yelp. So let's talk about insurance. <laughs> where, where are you with insurance and, and what's going
1: on there? So we, um, I would say about 50% of our patients are fee for service. And then the other 50% are um, insurance. And of those insurance, we're not in network with a bunch. Um, it's fewer than 10. I can't remember the exact number, but we've been working with you. Our office has, and this summer we are dropping about five of them, the five lowest paying. And thankfully we're not in network with the really terrible plans here in our town. I was always quite picky with that, but even still, after running the numbers and seeing how much we were writing off, we've decided it's time to put them on the chopping block and get rid of them. So Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure we'll see that referral source from that diminish uh, going forward, but the payoff for the increased reimbursements is, is well worth it. Here's what I see.
0: If, if insurance is sending you 10 new patients a year, why do you care?
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's,
0: not, it's not giving you that much. I mean, no. you're getting organic referrals from people who love you. So how I would sum all that up as a coach, if you're listening and you're hearing what Dr. Calderwood's saying is, be so awesome that people love you so much that they send people to you organically that when they're raving fans, right? They're, you're, you're just creating an environment where people love to come to the dental office and you don't hear that very much. So your customer service is phenomenal. You're wowing people with how you take care of them from a soft skill standpoint. And I'm sure a clinical skill standpoint. I mean, when you obviously have that many organic new patients that are referred to you, it says something about your personality. It says something about your character and and the difference that you're making when people are actually at your practice, they feel better. What sort of, things do patients say to you about
1: the experience they have in your practice? Um, In terms of like where they compliment us. Yeah. um, A few of the biggest compliments we get is that they don't wait. We, Mm -hmm. we patients show up, we see them in the back. We're really good with our scheduling and we don't run behind. It's one of my biggest pet peeves with the medical industry. I hate it. Mm -hmm. I hate when I go to the doctor, I've got a set time. And then they're running 45 minutes to an hour late. It drives me nuts. So that's been a huge point of emphasis for us is that we try not to overbook. We don't want our patients waiting. Um, We want them to feel like their time matters. So that's a big one. Uh, The way that we handle phone calls and insurances. So even though we're not in network with a lot of insurances, we still will file for them. We'll submit it for them. And the way that we help them and walk them through it, it's, it's, it's a huge help for them so that they don't have to go do all the digging and the the dirty work and then in the back we just we treat them well you know the ones that are afraid with surgery we do some of the um sedation dentistry to help them out we everybody just has a general attitude of being friends and family with everyone that comes in the door which is great in a resort town too because here in park city everybody's your buddy so when they come in the practice and it continues it just it's a continuation of why they moved to this town
0: yeah they feel that i love it so 30% growth over two years, we're approaching the two year anniversary of, I don't know what the official date will be for COVID and all that shutdown. I know it was late Mid-March.
1: March, it yeah, was mid-March March. for us it was about March 15th was when the, our state shut yeah. us down for six weeks. I was getting ready to fly to Canada
0: on March 18th and I didn't go. So I do remember that I was worried about getting stuck in Canada. So all the traveling's back. <laughs> so what would you say in that moment in the pandemic that got you through that? Like, what was some things that you were doing to help sustain practice growth and recovery from that? What maybe, yeah, I don't know. What, what helped you the most during that time?
1: And I would say initially when we first were allowed to open back up in May, um, it was just communication, patient communication, letting them know what we were doing in terms of, sterilization sanitizing all that to to ease their fears and concerns so that was the initial one talking them through it letting them know that they would be safe here that they wouldn't be at risk of catching or spreading COVID and then as it went on um, this is where I, I feel like I can't brag too much because it was a I was the benefit of just circumstances that COVID created work from home to be much more of a reality and then here in Park City we've had a lot of people from Manhattan and the Bay area are the two biggest areas that decided, you know what, I'm out. We're going to just work from home, some pretty resort town. So on that note though, once that became a reality, just the marketing, as we mentioned before, just being able to capitalize on that huge influx of people moving into town and then asking their neighbors and friends at, at church or different sporting groups that they go to the gym, wherever they go, it's kind of fun to hear where they meet up and, come in and then and most all of them when they come in they said, Oh, I was talking to my neighbor, Patty, and she raves about you guys and says that I shouldn't go anywhere else. So I think it was just being primed and in the right position to take advantage of that.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of people were super busy afterwards, but you especially with you were the area where people are moving to versus moving from. Yeah. Yeah. One of those areas I see that with clients across the country. You know, Shelby and your whole team and everybody that we work with, what what was something that Felt like, okay, they feel they feel like they're able to communicate. Like, how did they get to a place where they felt, okay, we have the, I guess, the foundation to let speak clearly to the patients, get them comfortable coming in. What was the, how did you convince them it was good to go and, and get them comfortable to a place of, communicate this to your patients so they know this is the right place right now?
1: Um, Weekly training, I think mm-hmm. was what it was. We, right, we, we take time every week. Um, Wednesday morning, we all show up about 30 minutes early and we'll watch some of the all-star videos. We'll discuss some of the, the issues at hand that we're seeing some things that we're struggling with. So we do the weekly training. That's not a lot of time, but it keeps it consistent, keeps it rolling. And then we do monthly meetings where we get together for about an hour and a half and, and kind of go over everything. So I would just say it's that consistent training Oh, and morning huddles too. I can't leave it out. So from morning huddles to the weekly training session to our monthly meetings. Yeah. It's, yeah. really it's, it's yeah. so funny because I'll see,
0: it's so true. I'll see doctors say, and, and they will be struggling to produce. And I'll say, I don't have time to take time out to meet with my team to produce more. That's productive time. And yet we looked at your numbers. You tell me how much time you set aside and yet you still can have a very productive practice. In fact, I would say it's almost impossible to have that productive of a practice in a healthy way without having that communication.
1: Is Correct. that fair? Yeah, absolutely. I think to get the numbers that we have and the size of space that we have, if we weren't all on the same page, if, if we weren't a well-oiled machine, so to speak, we'd all be burning out. We'd be on roller skates, sick of dentistry, sick of our job, but as it is, it's a nice, smooth rhythm that we enjoy. In fact, one thing that made me feel really good about the culture we've created here is a dental assistant that I've had working with me for a couple of years. Um, the previous office she was at, she hated dentistry and she was looking to get out of dentistry. She got her license um as a real estate agent. And she just told me last week that after we have our four-day weekends, um, when it's time to come back to work, she's excited to come back to work. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah, nobody's overstressed here, nobody's overworked. It's
0: it's nice. I gotta say something. It is a rarity what you're talking about. It's hard to create that culture. You said that word culture. I've had two meetings in two, well, three work days, Thursday, Friday, Monday. So Thursday and Monday, I've had two meetings with teams on culture. And I think the reason that's it's, it's we've had to go back to that foundation is because people, are, they're burnt out. They have resentment for your time off because of COVID. And then I have time off for COVID and it creates this disconnect. And people carry, a, I don't know, like they carry that resentment around too much and you are blessed and lucky to have a team that is uh, has the wherewithal to push through that and and be focused on one another so i've i've been lucky to be a part of it and and hear your success stories with your team so you're you are lucky like you said earlier you've been lucky with with who you have so
1: i have been i really have it's yeah. it's and it makes life a lot better because <laughs> then you How don't do go you- home hating dreading going back to work.
0: So let's talk about that culture. I find the number one way to create a positive culture is for doctor appreciating the team. Is that something that you do?
1: Yes. I think there's a few areas that I focus on. One is making them feel appreciated. You know, I I bring them in lunch every now and then we do occasionally we'll do like a trip somewhere. We'll go do an office dinner. Um, I do things like that. I'll give them gift cards. Um, in addition to making them feel appreciated though, I I empower them. And I actually would say that that's even more Mm -hmm. um, is empowering them. I put them in charge of stuff and they've surprised me at times. Our, for example, our receptionist Taylor last year, I put her in charge of the social media Mm -hmm. and Holy cow, has she exploded much better job than I could have done. She has just taken it run with it and is just amazed. We use a company that does our, um, our website hosting and has been helping us with some of our, Facebook ads and Google, um, click words, yeah, per and- click words. Or SEO. Uh, yep. And when they look at it, they, they can't help, but just praise her efforts. So I empower them all with what they do. Like Shelby, I empower her and her area, the assistants, yeah. the hygienist, everyone. And, and then I make sure to tell them good job. You know, I, I, I pointed out to them like, Hey, that was a really good post you did. Or, Hey, that program you set up here, that was awesome. So I empower them. I praise them. I make them feel appreciated. And I also, I I get to know them. Um, mm. I, I I worked in one office once. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. <laughs> the, uh, the dentist had a very different philosophy from me with his employees, where he didn't tell them anything about his personal life. Didn't talk to him because he said, you know, as soon as they get to know you and feel comfortable with you, they'll walk all over you and take advantage of you. So you need to be very distant from them. And I didn't like it. I don't like that kind of work environment. If it works for him, great. But for me, I like talking to him. I like on Monday, ask him, Hey, how was your guys' weekend? How was your son's soccer term? I like to get to know them, have that human connection with them. And it, it really has helped us as an office to feel more like family as well. I can't
0: agree with you more because there is this fine line. And I now they could take advantage of you, but you got to have that backbone to be able to support that I and my theory is if they take advantage of you then you've got the wrong employee in your office there you go you that's having backbone right that's having the ability to say "Hey, that doesn't work so I use John Maxwell's five levels of leadership you know being a Maxwell certified coach and just having a position is level one so I have a title I'm office manager or I'm dentist right that doesn't actually give you the right to be a leader you just have a title but then you get permission to lead them by having a relationship with them. That's level two, and then production is level three. They're kind of, I think they're very similar because you can pay them, right? Reward them, appreciate them with gifts, and wow, I produce more. This is great. I, I feel rewarded. But also, you're they're giving you permission to lead them because they can relate to you. Uh, they have a relationship with you. Now, they're not. You're not taking advantage of that relationship. They're not babysitting your dogs or cleaning your house or. <laughs> Washing your car at lunch, you know, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being interested, not interesting, right? Yes. So, absolutely. Love it. Love it. So, we uh, obviously work together uh, coaching, client. We do uh, KPI coaching. Before we did KPI coaching, where were you
1: with numbers versus now? Take us through that. So, the number, I've always tracked some numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, I created my own spreadsheet. So, I tracked. Mm -hmm. mostly i only tracked collections um new patients and accounts receivable that was it okay which helped you know it definitely helped me get better but when we started working with you we broke it down even more and i feel like we've gone through them with like a fine tooth comb and I, i keep going back to that famous quote by peter drucker if you can't measure it you can't improve it so There's no way to know, like when we broke it down with you even further, like production per hour and per procedure and some of those things, it it starts to make a lot more sense and it brings it into a big picture of how we can fix it and how we can improve it. That's right. Yeah.
0: Taking it down to basically saying, Hey, this is the inefficiencies and it's not that hard to track it. Right. I mean, what Shelby does it with five minutes
1: a day, maybe Mm -hmm. I think at first, it's kind of a pain in the butt to just get it all set up. But once you get it set up the next month and every month after that, it's, it's super easy to just run the report, plug it in. So it's not time consuming, which, you know, I hear some guys spend a lot of time on their numbers and it makes me feel kind of lazy a little bit because like you said, it's five minutes. We sit down, we look at it and look for trends, We look to see what's, what's headed in the right direction, what may be dipping and slipping and what we can do to fix it. Yeah. These are lag measures
0: and, meaning they're in the past or lagging in time. And so we're looking at it going, okay, how does, how, how have things been affecting us to then say, okay, what are our lead measures, which would be scheduling a goal, um, you know, collection goals, obviously resigning from insurances. That's something we're going to lead to and track maybe even case acceptance trackers. So there's different ways to do it. You guys have just really, really taking the all-star training. You've taken the numbers, you've really implemented it and it shows in your results. And then uh, we met through the mastermind uh, group with All Star. So how
1: is that through all the COVID and everything? How has that been a support for you? It's been amazing. It's seriously, has been wonderful for me and one of the best things in terms of dentistry. I've always been a fan my whole life. I've been a big fan of surrounding myself with people that are um, better than me, more talented than me, however you want to say it. So when I was in junior high and high school, I was a wrestler, loved to wrestle. was a great wrestler, you know, placed at state. And I remember as a freshman, I would go wrestle the seniors. And yeah, it, it, uh, <laughs> I got, took my bruises, took my licks and tumbles, but it helped me to be better. So in college, I remember too, like organic chemistry study groups, I would surround myself with guys that were smarter than me so that they would push me. And in dentistry, like when I was president of the Utah Dental Association, I was surrounded by some very successful individuals and when my time was coming to an end with the utah dental association serving on that i wanted to be part of a study club of some kind is what i was looking for and um, alex reached out to me and was just chatting to me he had, was, you guys were just starting it up and he thought hey is this something you'd be interested in and i jumped on it immediately because the yeah, thought yeah. of surrounding myself with other successful dental professionals around the country was exactly what i wanted to help me take my practice to the next level. Man, that's
0: great. That's great. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, thank you so much for just being willing to share your story with those that are listening that are looking for ways to improve their practice. Is there anything else you feel like, hey, I should I should share this with them? This is some a, a nugget of information.
1: Um just my appreciation for dentistry. And I think we all need to take a step back and recognize what an amazing profession we have that we have so much control within our own offices of what we do. So if there's something you don't like, like let's say that you don't like composites, then don't do them. You know, it's, it's incredible to have that kind of profession. I talked to some of my other friends who are lawyers, accountants, or whatever professional, none of them have the kind of autonomy that we have mm. and to be able to have the work schedules that we have to enjoy time off with our family or friends, our hobbies. It's, it's amazing. So I, I just think as dental professionals, we all should take a step back and recognize how fortunate we are to be in this profession.
0: I couldn't agree more. I had a talk with a doctor. Oh, gosh, to age me. I don't know, 2006, <laughs> seven, maybe client. And he's like, I don't know. I, I just not really, I just burnt out. I'm not really feeling it. And I just started to paint a picture of what's the other option in four days a week. And where's it coming from? And I'll just say now, just jokingly, he now is a 17-op practice with four doctors. So <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I said, write your vision. And he wrote his vision. And I was like, that's a big vision. So I think for him, it was the what you're talking about. I can make this something that I want. And so I would challenge anybody listening. If you don't have your vision written down, then your team doesn't know your vision because it's just in your head. And it can't be, oh, let's get better. It has to be something specific that you're heading towards. And so- that's what I love about coaching. That's what I love about all-star and our ability to help clients not only figure out what their vision is, but then achieve it. So thank you, Dr. Calderwood. Appreciate your time. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. So obviously all-star can uh, help you with coaching and your practice, whether it's KPI coaching or mastermind or team training, team coaching, growth package. We have all of these things that we can offer you. So if you're interested in any of that, just reach out to Heather. You can email her Heather at all-star dental academy.com. And, I just want to say thank you for joining us. If you took the time to listen to the the podcast today or watch the YouTube video, we really appreciate you uh, investing in yourself and hopefully you're inspired. And so until next time, go out there and be an All-Star. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Dental All-Stars. Visit us online at allstardentalacademy.com.